Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from April 9th, 1983, as taped on March 30th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, and joining me for this journey in the wrestling history, as he does each and every week, you know him and love him from booking the territory, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing quite well, Brian. It is April the 9th, 1983 in Mid-South Wrestling. One quick note that I want to say about this show. Uh, One, I'm pretty sure Hank is gone. I'm still not finding him, so there's that. And the other thing is, this show starts off with numerous recaps of things we've seen, whether it were last week or the week before. But I wanted to point that out, and so that I'm not beating this same drum throughout this episode, I do want to say, I've said this a number of times throughout our our journey through Mid-South, but a day and age when a lot of people didn't have the VCRs and we couldn't just always record things, I still think when Watts would do a show like this where the first 15, 20 minutes has a lot of recaps in it, I still liked it because if you had missed a couple of weeks here and there, you really, really, really got it summarized in a nice, complete package right here, at the starting at the very top of this show. So I want to point that out as we get into this, as we talk about some of the recaps we'll see. Because some of these recaps are really impactful things that have happened in the territory over the last two to three weeks. These recaps and the new wrestlers that debut on the show, this is an example of why people who currently produce wrestling television shows could learn a lot from watching Mid-South Wrestling. How to make your storylines make sense, how to explain your storylines, and of course, how to introduce new wrestlers. You mentioned the recaps. Let's get going right away with this. Boyd Pierce and Bill Watts hosting the show. Let's go to the open of the show, and we'll come out of this in a moment and let you know what recap we start with. Host Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of exciting action. The Junkyard Dog in the ring against the Super Destroyer. Mr. Olympia is here, and King Kong Bundy, 420 pounds from... Atlantic City, New Jersey, Devastation Incorporated will wrestle. Also, tag team action sees the rugged duo of the Black Ninja and Kamala, the Ugandan warrior. We have a lot of more things to tell you about, and the man to tell you about them is our guest commentator, Cowboy Bill Watts. Bill? Well, thank you, boy. Lots of things happening. King Kong Bundy, 420 pounds with something different, a new wrinkle. He says that every match he's in, when he wrestles a guy, he wants the referee to count to five, not to three. He wants no doubt in anybody's mind that he pinned them. He's going to put them down like concrete, he says. And, of course, then Mr. Olympia with Skandar Akbar. And that brings us to something that really should have tipped us, I guess, because wrestling, too, had been getting a lot of defamatory situations to symbolic masks, uh, dolls made up like him, injured, uh, letters. We, we saw the anguish he went through. One time he even thought it was Skandar Akbar, and he attacked him, and Kamala got him. And the guy uh, was just upset completely about it. And Mr. Olympia, on March the 2nd, when he came back, somehow his bag was open and Wrestling 2 saw those masks and that gear to defame masks in there. Let's watch again as we saw what happened. And from there, Mike, we get a recap of the confrontation between Mr. Olympia and Mr. Wrestling 2. You know, one interesting thing I want to point out, I'm surprised it wasn't tied into this whole thing. But if you remember, right when, shortly after Mr. Wrestling 2 got into the territory, at the Superdome, there was a babyface versus babyface match for, I think, the Mississippi State Championship, where Mr. Wrestling 2 
defeated Mr. Olympia. That title's kind of been forgotten now in Mid-South Wrestling. But that was never brought up. You know, you would think that that would be part of it because the harassment of two started shortly after that. But that match was never mentioned as part of this overall angle. I didn't even think about it until you just said it. That's how out of sight and out of mind it was. But that's a really, really good point. I think you're right. It was a Mississippi title. And maybe, you know, if you remember Watts said earlier this year in 83, he talked about how they were going to phase out the state titles because of the, uh, for lack of a better words, in the Mid-South territory was was expanding so much and was so big that they didn't want to just focus on, quote unquote, state titles uh, when you got this big region. So maybe that's why he didn't tie, he didn't bring it up because of the fact that it was for that state title. But I didn't think about it till you just said it. But there is something to that. Uh, could it have started there? Maybe. Uh, but at the end of the day, I also think that if we really think back on it, too, Olympia was pretty descriptive about why uh, why he did what he did and uh, and how the dog made him mad and and how it enraged him that, you know, he went away for 60 days, but yet the dog came back under a hood and as stagger Lee. So I think it all makes sense from that buttoned up perspective. Uh, but, you know, maybe Watts could have mentioned that if you want to throw one more thing as far as that Superdome show that they had when they did wrestle for the title. The Mississippi title. I don't know. It's one of those things. Uh, only Watts can answer that. But all in all, they did this right. They did it well. We talked about it last week when Olympia finally did explain why he did turn. So good stuff. And I enjoy it. Look, I said it a second ago. I enjoyed the recap, the the confrontation with no sound, pretty much no audio other than the audibles in the background. You know, nobody was talking over when two confronted Olympia. So it really left a lot to the imagination. You're like, oh, my God, he's confronting him. And Olympia's got his stuff. What the hell? So good stuff there. I enjoyed seeing this again. It was quick, concise, and a nice little recap right there. Coming out of that recap, we go back to the desk. Here's Bill Watson, Boyd Pierce thought the pressure was getting to wrestling too maybe and certainly we wanted to believe mr olympia but one thing stuck in my mind i kept asking him after that had happened was that his bag and it was his bag and a lot of fans i talked to said bill he couldn't have done that he wouldn't do that and i wanted to believe him and i know you did but then march the 21st downtown new orleans the true mr olympia the twisted mind it surfaced let's watch the closing moments of that match and there's another great example mike of the storytelling not just, we found this out about him and boom, he's a heel. The fans couldn't believe it. I didn't want to believe it. We've seen this guy for so long, we know who he is. It's not just an instant change in character. It slowly happened. We slowly got to see people discovering what was going on. And it took the fans a little while to be convinced. And that's why you didn't rush it, which is really the right way to do it. I said it a bunch of times. I'll say it again. I mean, you got to re remember when all this whole stalking thing started happening with two months and months ago when this thing started happening. Uh, we all thought it was Kamala. We all thought it was Akbar hunting the mask. I mean, we did. We had no idea it was Olympia. So this thing, very, very slow, drawn out angle. And at the end of the day, he he went he did what he did because JYD pissed him off. JYD cost him money. And you know what? He went and got Akbar, and Akbar basically, if you remember, they talked about uh, the money that he that he gave Olympia. Akbar was able to make up some of that money. We don't know how much he was making, but you know, presumably, Akbar helped make up the money he lost while he was gone for sixty days. Whether it was more or less than he would have made in that sixty days is debatable, and who knows what it was. But the story, for storyline purposes, Akbar helped him make up the money he he would have he lost when he got sent home, and he actually stayed home, unlike the dog. We then get a recap of the match with the dog. 
Olympia versus the Junkyard Dog, the finals of the North American title tournament from New Orleans. Anything you want to say about this match, Mike? No, we talked about it in, in pretty much in great detail last week, and I just think it was done pretty well. Uh, very Watts being, being very descriptive on why it ends up being that they're going to, you know, the title was upheld and, and now we're we're gonna you know see another match for the title because of how the finish went down. You know you had a a groggy referee who counted one two three for the dog when the dog was actually on his stomach in the sleeper. So nothing to say other than I think it I think they did it all well and I think Watts narrated it very well to describe why the title was being held up. Let's now go back to the desk, Boyd Pierce and Cowboy Bill Watts. Without a doubt, I think you at home can also see that Mid-South, as Mid-South saw, Junkyard Dog wasn't pinned. He was face down. Neither was he given a 10 count as a knocked out man's entitled to, nor was he checked with his arms being helpless like a man reacting to a sleeper. And they decided, although they've established a policy in the past of not changing anything due to a videotape replay, they saw that the referee wasn't in charge of his faculties due to a blow to his face and the side of his head. Therefore, they made a momentous landmark decision and have held up that title. But let's go to the dressing room and interview Akbar and Olympia as they think they've won the title in $10,000 as Olympia then brags about his plan to double-cross JYD. And as Bill Watts just said, we go to that dressing room interview, which was played twice on last week's show, and here they play it once again. And in this As you said earlier, Olympia lays out the timeline. He lays out exactly why he's upset with much more than Mr. Wrestling 2, the junkyard dog. Yeah, he's just he's pissed about the whole situation. I said a second ago, he got mad. He got sent home packing. He lost money. Again, that's a point that needs to be hashed. And we need to realize this is a big point. He lost money and he pissed off. And because he lost that money, he's like, you know what? I'm going to make up the money I lost. I'm going to get Akbar on my side. So yeah, Akbar. I mean, he went and got Akbar, and and he's and now he's got a manager who's going to help him make up that money he lost, and that's what it boils down to. Coming out of that interview, one more shot at the desk. This time, we actually get to hear Boyd Pierce's voice. Let's go to this. Bill, Mr. Olympia feels like his reputation has been tarnished and his integrity has been jeopardized, and it has. But wrestling fans at home, let me assure you that the reputation has not been jeopardized of Mid-South Wrestling because the North American heavyweight title has been held up. We'll be back now with more exciting action right after this message from our sponsors. Well, there we hear it, Mike, and it's such interesting booking. The idea of doing the North American title tournament after the title being held up for at least a few months when Stagger Lee disappeared and the Junkyard Dog returned, and then immediately it's held up again. I mean, it's... It's very interesting booking. It's not, you know, it's well thought out. You can't just do something like this without having every little detail ironed out. And fortunately, Bill Watts is perfect at explaining all this. But from beginning to end, from the stalking of Mr. Wrestling 2 to Olympia being gone and the stalking continuing to his return, to his reaction to Staggerly, so much of it's plausible. And it makes sense. You may think Olympia is evil. But what he's saying isn't lies. I mean, he's being reasonable in why he's upset about this. You can agree or disagree, but it's plausible. And just a great job from Bill Watts and Mid-South Wrestling here. So it's plausible, and I, I agree when you say that. And I wanted, one other point I want to make. Imagine if you worked at a job and you 
there was something that happened at your job and you got suspended for two weeks or you without pay or you even got fired <laughs> and you had to go look for another job. But it but you didn't do whatever you're whatever you're being accused of. Maybe you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. Maybe you're in the lunchroom and somebody sitting next to you is having an inappropriate discussion. And all of a sudden you you get in trouble and all you were doing was sitting there eating your lunch. You weren't partaking in this discussion or whatnot, but you lose your job. You'd be pretty pissed off at the people that caused you to lose your job or get suspended for two weeks without pay. And that's kind of like what happened here. Olympia really wasn't a bad guy. He was the dog's friend. They were, you know, tag team partners. They were driving buddies. They loved each other. They had each other's back. I mean, you got to remember when everybody was bailing on the dog last year, Olympia was the one guy who didn't bail on him. He was, he was the guy who was, I got the dog's back. But through all of this, he's like, man, all that time I had your back. I did this. I did that. You know, people were bailing on you when DiBiase turned on you. Look, I was here. You get sent home. And then for 60 days, 90 days, you come back under a hood. Well, when I get sent home, I got to go home and I, I take my fine. I take the fact that I'm sent home for 60 days and now I don't get paid. So he's mad. I mean, it's plausible from that, because if that happened to you at your job where if somebody caused you to get suspended for two weeks without pay, you'd be pretty mad. And I know it was two months. I'm just saying. So I, I just like the the nuance of it, the storytelling of it and as we always say, to beat the freaking drum, we always beat. Bill Watts is just so great at narrating and making all make, making it all make sense. And back to my earlier point, because the stalking of Mr. Wrestling 2 started before Olympia left, it makes me think that maybe the original plan was to tie it into him being upset where out of nowhere there was a babyface versus babyface match for the title at the Superdome, and he lost his title to Mr. Wrestling 2. And then the stalking started. Then they dropped the title. I wonder if, obviously, the long-term plan was probably still Olympia and the dog because that's where the money was. They were a tag team. But I wonder, considering when the stalking started and when Olympia did eventually leave and the title being dropped, I wonder how much that was originally going to play into this. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, unfortunately, Watts is probably the only one who knows. Maybe Olympia knows. I don't know. Now that I think about it, Olympia could know. I may have to ask him. That's a, that's it. Hey, look, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it not because I don't want to tell you what to do in your own show, but that's a potential great segment for maybe 605, you know, Olympia on there talking about this particular angle in particular, that question and what you just asked. Well, coming out of that, Mike, we get Mr. Olympia in wrestling action. Mr. Olympia with General Skandar Akbar versus Tim Horner. We also get a debut here. The debut of Randy Pee-wee Anderson as a referee in Mid-South Wrestling. Many people remember him from WCW. He started as a referee right here in Mid-South Wrestling. He had been, I believe, the Junkyard Dog's driver and friend. And now he is a referee here. It's the first time we see Pee-wee. We're going to play some audio. Bill Watts has a lot to say about Olympia and Akbar and the Rat Pack. But any thoughts about this match or anything else before we get going with that, Mike? Not that I ever really have to correct you, but technically not the first time we've seen him, right? Well, technically not, because, of course, he was S. Lee, or we thought he was S. Lee, and S. Lee is Staggerly. Right, right. So I just wanted to point that out for anybody out there on Twitter who go, no, that's not the first time. 
technically first time as a referee, but we did see him with the uh, rolled out S. Lee sign uh, back in November, October of last year. So there we go. We did see him back then. But yes, his his wrestling, uh, his wrestling, his refereeing debut here and uh, good old referee Pee Wee Anderson. Let's hear some audio. We mentioned it earlier. Cowboy Bill Watts on all that is going on in Mid-South Wrestling. Boyd, you and I have sat here for many years, and we've seen a lot of things happen. And just about the time you think you've seen it all or you think you know somebody, you find out you don't. This day and age is, I don't know if our society is so sophisticated or has gone so far from the principles on which it was established or what, but it doesn't seem like principle is respected anymore, and it seems like many young guys are easily swayed and easily supported by fame and riches. Well, Mr. Olympia, you just entered a hall of fame, a hall of infamy, and you've just become, whether you realize it or not, a servant to Skandar Akbar, who will use his money and his conning and the conniving of you to get forward what he wants and to further his ends as he weaves that web of trying to attempt dominance on Mid-South. I saw Mr. Olympia sporting a new jacket, number one. And of course, I think it all started when wrestling took that great legend, that man that's never asked for anything, but has gone out and demanded respect, showed up, and the people took to wrestling too, as they see a man that's in the twilight of his wrestling career, going out there on hearts and guts and intestinal fortitude. They started chanting two, 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 and it hurt Olympia. And Olympia thought that JYD deserted him, but that's not true. JYD had to leave for 90 days. Then the controversy over Stagger Lee. Then the time the two went in after Akbar because he thought Akbar was the man that had been defaming his mask and two was carried out. And Stagger Lee and, Ak- and Wrestling Two were scheduled to go against DBS and Bourne for the Mid-South titles. Loser of the Fall Leave Town Olympia took that chance to regain the spotlight but was defeated and had to leave 60 days. And it seems like he blames all that on JYD and Wrestling 2. And you can hear this crowd as they're cheering Tim Warner on, hoping that he will beat Mr. Olympia. Mr. Olympia, an upset man. He and Akbar are protesting. They've had legal briefs filed and everything with Mid-South. But as it stands right now, the North American title is held up. Olympia's certainly not out of the running because it's him and JYD that have to settle the issue once and for all as to who the North American champion is and who gets that $10,000 Olympia using a vicious headbutt. One thing you got to give credit where credit is due. He's in fine condition, a well-conditioned athlete. He has his skills. He, he's a great wrestler. He's been the Mississippi champion. He's been a co-holder of the Mid-South Championship, so he's no stranger to championship competition. And he's got the most devious, conniving, the man that will do anything now that has his ear, Skandar Akbar, who also has Kamala, the Ugandan warrior, and the Black Ninja, a formidable, formidable group of individuals. But then there's the Rat Pack, and Hacksaw Dugan, the spokesman now for the Rat Pack, is not content with taking a backseat to anybody, and he's already told Ted DiBiase, you better not have anything to do with Skandar Akbar because I don't like him. I don't like his oil money or what he stands for, and I certainly don't like him because he, by one time, managed the Iron Sheik of Iran, and he said that goes back to a personal thing within his family, and I can only imagine. But here we have Mr. Olympia, the sleeper on Tim Horner, and I've noticed that Mr. Olympia certainly is upset. He's certainly more vicious, whether that is 
inspired in him by Akbar telling him he's got to get meaner and more vicious or he's upset about the title or the combination. But he sure seems to enjoy now inflicting punishment. Of course, he also, there's the check as it was supposed to have been, see. Had that check been made on the junkyard dog for being in the sleeper, they never could have held up the title and Olympia would have had it. But due to Usher being stunned and the different things that happened, Mid-South has held up the title and there's one of the men that, or that is the man and the organization that'll be facing the junkyard dog. Mr. Olympia with a new style and vicious tactics gains a victory over Tim Horner. We'll be back after this message from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. And there it is, Mr. Olympia beating Tim Horner with the sleeper. This is the first time we've really gotten to see heel Mr. Olympia on TV. He changes his work a little bit, but the thing that stands out is just how good he is in the ring. Like, the little things, like when he sells a punch to the stomach. He's really, really good. What are your thoughts on this, Mike? Uh, I don't want to repeat you, but yeah, he's really, really good. He knows how to sell. Everything just looks like it matters. He does look a little bit more vicious. He looks... I don't know how to describe it because he's got a mask on, but he definitely looks angrier uh, in his movements and motions. Uh, but he has a selling ability. I know Tim Tim Horner threw a couple of punches, again, like you said, the stomach punch, and then he hit him with one to the head, and Olympia takes a good bump, and he just looks dazed and confused. And, you know, give him credit for selling for Tim Horner right there. But he just – I don't know. There's something about him. He just looks angrier and meaner. Maybe it's, I, I, and I'm sure he's had this color mask on before, but I don't know. He's just, he's so damn good in the ring. There's, there's no other way to say it. He was a hell of a talent in Mid-South, man, Mr. Olympia. Coming out of that, naturally, we get another recap. Let's go to the desk. Let's go to Cowboy Bill Watts. The undisputed leader of the Rat Pack has been Ted DiBiase. However, there could be a power struggle going in. One thing is for sure, Hacksaw Dugan is a man that does as he pleases, and he seems to exert a pressure wherever he goes, and he doesn't seem to tolerate failure. Let's watch the closing moments two weeks ago when Mr. Wrestling 2 and Tiger Conway, the new Mid-South Tag Champions, were against Dugan and Bourne, and Bourne was unable to hold on when Dugan went for his spear. And from there, Mike, we get a recap of what happened a few weeks ago. You want to recap it? You want to let the listeners know what is going on here? Yeah, so they throw it to a, uh, to a few weeks ago when it was Duggan and Bourne versus Conway and Mr. Wrestling 2. And then, so in this match, 2 uh, ducked Duggan's spear and Duggan speared Bourne. And then 2 ends up hitting Bourne with the knee lift and 2 and Conway actually end up winning that match. So Watts is trying to just, you know, make sure because we've had a lot going on with Olympia and Akbar and JYD and two recently, Watts wants to make sure, you know, we don't forget about what's going on with Duggan here in Bourne. So um, I they think that's the main thing that we want to you know, pull away from that. Also, I didn't say this a second ago, but something that was said by Watts in the match uh, with Tim Horner and Olympia was the fact that Watts continues to beat the drum for Duggan and him not even not wanting anything to do with Akbar and the whole thing with the oil money and all of that. So that's all still play in play right here. And as listeners and fans of Mid South, we need to remember uh, while while they're recapping this Duggan and Bourne versus Conway two match that that uh, two and Conway one. Remember we've we've still got potential bad blood with what's going on with Duggan and how Duggan is a member of the Rat Pack still. But hey. 
there's a lot of uh, there's some interplay here with the Rat Pack that and related to Akbar that may be causing some issues in the future. I'll leave it at that. And we've talked about it before. A good example of Mid South Wrestling dropping something in the midst of a storyline that they're hoping everyone will forget is that Akbar is the one who brought Doug in here originally in the spring of 1982 as a bounty hunter. But, you know, we're now supposed to not remember that because he hates Skander Akbar and wants nothing to do with him. And the other thing to note is that I believe that was the last appearance of Matt Bourne at the Irish McNeil Boys Club. Matt Bourne, here in early April, is in Georgia with Arn Anderson as his partner. So Marty Lundy, as well, has gone from Mid-South Wrestling, both of them, to Georgia Championship Wrestling. And from there, Mike, we get our next match, the Super Destroyer versus the Junkyard Dog with Alfred Neely as the referee. One note here before we play some audio. Bill Watts mentions that there's new music for the dog, but they actually don't play new music here in the boys' club when he comes out. Right, Mike? Yeah, this is the second time, too. I mean, we we we, we keep getting told this, and I, the only thing I can suspect is for anyone who was watching the events live during this time period, uh, if you were at a show and they were playing Atomic Dog already, please let me know because I, I, like, I feel like that's the only – plausible explanation to what Watts is saying because Watts mentions the same thing again, but we have the original footage, you and I, and it's not that. It's another one bites his dust still. So I don't know, you know, I don't know what else we can say other than to say Watts is mentioning a different song for dog, but he's still coming up to another one bites the dust. Right now at least. Well let's hear some audio from the cowboy during this match. Once again the junkyard dog versus the super destroyer. Crowd chanting JYD, JYD. But this is a battle. This is Super Destroyer, and he's a tough one. He's been a main event wrestler for a long time. This is a main event that Grizzly Smith has brought to us right here on Mid South. This is what makes Mid South the number one television wrestling program in the nation today. JYD's changed his music. I noticed there was a new song that said something about brings out the dog in me. And he is really uptight about the things that happen. He says that this gets where he doesn't know who to trust anymore. And it's like a lonely man going up and down these roads and in these airplanes and making all these engagements in Mid-South because it seems like every time somebody gets around him, they're a marked man. You know, I remember I was here, boy, you were here when Mr. Olympia said, take my hand, I'll be with you through thick and thin. And JYD did, you know, and, and that's right after DiBiase had double-crossed him. But I guess when you're number one, you're going to be facing that there's a lot of people sitting in number two, three, and four that want to be number one. And I think that Olympia probably is justified in his own mind what he's done. He is, you know, I guess even the people who have betrayed countries or personalities throughout history justified in their mind their infamy or their treachery but you can hear the crowd they're solidly behind JYD they're chanting go dog go go dog go and you go into some of the arenas especially in New Orleans you hear them say who that gonna beat that dog who that they're behind him and they chant it they get behind him and JY says when his people are the, all the fans and when he's talking about his people he's talking about all the fans black red green yellow White, blue, as Dusty Rhodes used to say, all the colors of the world are his fans. And that's the way Junkyard Dog feels. And they get behind him. He said it just makes his blood boil. And he just can't let them down. 
And I know they were all stunned on March 21st, but it'll all be settled April 16th in the Superdome. Well, there we hear some audio, Mike, from Cowboy Bill Watts. Another thing he says on commentary here is how recently the junkyard dog corrected him about his weight, saying that he's now up to, I believe, 285 pounds. So there's the first mention of the junkyard dog not being, I I forget what he was billed as, maybe 265 or something. But now he's 20 pounds heavier than he was, and that he corrected Bill Watts on it. Any thoughts on this match or anything else? Uh, no thoughts. I like the fact that they, I say no thoughts and I keep talking, right? Um, no, I like the fact that they mentioned the who that chant again. Thought that was, I thought that was a nice little mention, you know, watch driving the point home, how JYD's got all the fans cheering for him, no, no matter race, color, nothing, none, none of that matters. He's still the dog. Uh, that's all I had from this. I thought, I thought the crowd, I mean, they, they, they weren't like too loud throughout it, but, um, it, it was a good crowd. The, the crowd on the left side of the, the ring is we've we've got chairs. I don't know if we've talked about this yet in this episode already, but we've got a we've got a good row of chairs. So we've got like three or four rows deep over there. So it's pretty packed in Irish McNeil today. But I don't know. I don't I don't have really much from this other than that. Coming out of that, Cowboy Bill Watts throws us to a promo with someone we saw the debut of last week on the show, King Kong Bundy. Let's go to this. Well, King Kong Bundy of Devastation Incorporated. Is certainly not another pretty face, Boyd Pierce, but he seems very vocal, very determined, but he's awesome in his size and credentials, too, as he was interviewed prior to this match. Let's listen to what he has to say. I want all the people to know, and I want these Mid-South wrestling promoters to know why King Kong Bundy is here. I'm not here to wrestle a bunch of punks, a bunch of chumps. I'm here to wrestle Andre the Giant. I'm here to wrestle that dirty, nasty, junkyard dog. Butch Reed, Mr. Wrestling 2, all these men that have made themselves big reputations by beating a bunch of other punks. Let me tell you something about me. I'm from Atlantic City, New Jersey, the baddest city in the world. All them punks, you're not bad enough to walk across the street in Atlantic City. I'll wrestle these punks as long as I have to. But let me tell you something, Andre the Giant, Junkyard Dog, Butch Reed, Mr. Wrestling 2, your day is coming. You're going to get in there with King Kong Bundy, and you're going to be laying flat on that mat, and you're going to see that big splash coming, baby. 420 pounds of muscle of bone, and it's going to be coming right on top of you. Be ready for it, boys. Well, once again, King Kong Bundy calls out Andre the Giant, who's not currently in Mid-South Wrestling, and a good, strong promo. I mean, one interesting thing is they keep saying that he's from Devastation Incorporated. He keeps saying it, too. But he's not associated with Skandar Akbar right now. He's not. And it's really weird watching this. Like, I don't know, because you 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 associate him with Devastation Incorporated, but he's out here now and we've seen world class. So we know that. But he's out here right now and he's cutting his promo by himself and he's calling out. He's basically calling out all of the baby faces in the territory and some of them who aren't there right now, which. Andre the Giant is, is is the main one that he's calling out that's not there. But uh, I thought this was good. I thought Bundy was really fired up. He's very believable. He he didn't scare me as much as Kamala as a kid, but Bundy certainly scared me because he just was a big, round, oval, thick guy that really looked like he could he could hurt you. And uh, uh, Bundy Bundy was something to look at back in the day, man. He. He he wasn't there was nothing flashy. It was, you know, I mean, I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Brian. Just a black singlet 
and boots and that was it man he didn't even have knee pads on so that told me he was a pretty rough individual back in the day coming out of that we get a match with king kong bundy king kong bundy versus john davidson with randy peewee anderson as the referee let's hear a little bit of audio from cowboy bill watts on bundy and the five count king kong bundy and boy we watched him hold up five fingers signifying to tell the referee that when he beats this guy to count to five. Now, this has never been done in wrestling. I've never heard of anybody that wanted to give somebody a two counts more before he beat him. Let me tell you, you may beat Ron Ellis like he beat last week, or he may beat John Davidson to be able to count to five. But I'll tell you, if he puts the Junkyard Dog or Wrestling 2 or Hacksaw Butchreed or Tiger Conway's shoulder to the mat, he better be wanting a two count to be the end of it, not a five count. Because those guys are going to be coming out of there. But King Kong Bundy seems to be very confident of himself and of his size. And I will admit that if 420 pounds comes down on you the way he does with that splash, it's going to stun you. We've seen what's happened with Kamala at 365 or 385 putting people away. So I can imagine Bundy, who outweighs Kamala, and if he can compact that energy all in one spot, it's going to be awesome. Some, there may not even be a grease spot there. Well, there we hear it. Cowboy Bill Watts, a little bit about the five count. And, of course, Bundy would end up beating John Davidson with a splash and the five count. Any thoughts or notes on this, Mike? No, Watts is right. I mean, he's doing his five count with guys like Davidson. And I can't remember who he wrestled last week or week before. That 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 ain't going to fly once you got, you know, the dog in there or Butch Reed or whoever other top babyface wrestling too. Five count with those guys? Come on. So Watts is driving point home that, yeah, this sounds good and all right now, but we'll have to stay tuned and we'll see more. So, no, other than that, all I got is uh, Bundy hits Davidson with the splash and he wins. Coming out of that, we get a tag team match. Kamala and Kendo Nagasaki, the Black Ninja with General Skandar Akbar and Friday versus Art Cruz and Ron Ellis with Alfred Neely as the referee. I didn't have any notes about this match. Mike, what about you? The only thing I have is we get a lot of thoughts from Watts on Akbar's stable, and Watts basically runs down everything JYD, Butch Reed, and all the baby faces in the territory are going to have to deal with regarding Akbar's most updated stable. Other than that, Kamala and Kendo dominate very easily, and Kamala wins when he hits the splash to the back. Um, you know, I did laugh. I think here, I, I, I don't know if it was this week or a previous week when Reeser Bowden says the black ninja, have we talked about this? I feel like I've talked about this with someone. He goes, the black ninja. He says ninja instead of ninja. Have you caught that from him? I have. And it's not that bad. Cause Jack Curtis a few weeks ago called him the black ninja. Ninji. Okay, yeah. Oh, so we were talking. To, we talked about Curtis. I wasn't sure if we talked about Reeser, but Reeser, when he introduces the Black Ninja, I don't know. It gave me a chuckle. Um, not that because Reeser hadn't really done anything else here these uh, two weeks to give us many chuckles, but that one, I don't know. It, it popped me a little bit. The Black Ninja. I was like, wow, Reeser, you really stressed that. So that's all I had though. Kamala and Kendall win. Kamala pins Ron Ellis after the splash, and then we get. The debut in the Irish McNeil Boys Club, we saw him last week during the tournament highlights, Hacksaw Butch Reed as a babyface, making his debut against Kelly Kaniski with Alfred Neely as the referee. Let's hear some audio here from Cowboy Bill Watts on this newcomer, new to the territory, Hacksaw Butch Reed. 
Kaminsky being introduced with his familiar blue jacket with Canada across the front. And the fans responded with Butch Reed by saying USA, Bill. So there it is. Well, Kelly Kaminsky from Canada really jumped on Reed. He figures he better be able to get on him quick because Hacksaw Butch Reed is a powerhouse, boy. And look at the agility. That's what's impressed me. I've seen a lot of big, strong men, but they don't prove anything as far as I'm concerned until you see their agility. That's what makes them dangerous, that movement. And Hacksaw Butch Reed has got the size and the strength and the agility. Three minutes of television time remaining. Hacksaw Reed is going after it like he wants to finish it off right now. And like I've said to many people, that they don't get paid by the hour out there. They get paid for victory, so they can carry it to them. Hacksaw Butch Reed, who went to NEO in Miami, Oklahoma, Good friend of mine up there, the wrestling coach, Raymond Judkins. He was a hoss when I was a sophomore in high school. He was a senior, and I used to have to call him sir. Raymond's got some friends of my son, uh, Joel, that's going up there. Kids that went to Bixby, Charlie Fajowski, Greg Wagner, Kevin Fritz. Oh, that power slam was awesome. That power slam was awesome. The people enjoyed it. What a tremendous a bunch of events today, Boyd Pierce. A lot of things happening. Like I say, the North American title is held up. The $10,000 is held up. Skandar Akbar has extended further his tentacles of influence. He now has Mr. Olympia. He's got the Black Ninja. And, of course, the most awesome man I've ever seen, Kamala, the newcomer, the man that's uh, doing something that's never been done, King Kong Bundy five count. I've never seen that kind of confidence. I tell you, I wanted some guys, I was hoping they could count them down and one if I could hold them. I've down. seen a lot of them complain, Bill, because of a fast count from a referee, one in a, in a slow count, one, two, but one asking for two additional count for the five. I've never seen it before. Well, boy, we'd promised the people two weeks ago the midgets, and of course with the special, Mid-South special about the one night sudden death tournament in New Orleans, we didn't have time for the midgets. Next week we're going to have the midgets here, so all you kids of all ages, tune in next week as we bring the midgets to you. Bill, our time is winding down, and we do want to reiterate the fans, I'm sure, at home, this is the first time they've seen on Mid-South Racing and Heard from Mr. Olympia, changed over, made the crossover, and General Skander Akbar, of all people, taking him into his stable, so well, it's something that... We heard Olympia try to justify on that interview why... He blamed the dog for all his problems. You know, it's like the old guy said, if you want to find out what caused your problems, you go look in a mirror because you cause your own problems. But the guys that can't admit that, like Mr. Olympia, they create some problems for themselves. And he has, he's created a lot of controversy and he's right in the middle of it. He's going to attract some heavy traffic. But the Mid-South Wrestling has held up the title, and so he is not the North American heavyweight champion, even though he feels like he won the tournament. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, for allowing us once again to come into your home. We look forward to it each week. Thank you so much for your viewing each week. Sometimes we don't thank you. So for Bill Watts, I'm Boyd Pierce saying goodbye, everybody, until next week on Mid-South Wrestling. Well, a few things to unpack there here at the end of the program, Mike. One, Butch Reed looks spectacular. He's throwing amazing drop kicks. He's showing his power, doing the press slam. The fans are super into him. Butch Reed looks really impressive here, and a quick victory. I, and I was going to ask you, how about that reaction he got? I mean, the people, did they not love him? It's easy to forget that, considering the way things go for the next year, year and a half. But they really are into him when he gets here. It's amazing. 
He's like you said, there was a couple of drop kicks in there where he's getting up high, connecting with Kaniski, who's not a short person. The crowd's reacting, they're they're on fire. When he press slammed him, I mean, they came out of their seats, man. It was it was a well, I don't say this lightly, it was a dog type reaction that they gave him when he won this match. And they haven't seen much from him at this point, which is incredible that they are reacting to him in such a positive manner. So I Look, I thought this was really good, man. He that press slam, he really showed his power. I, I it's hard. I mean, he look, Kaneski didn't just run up to him and and jump into his arms. Butch picks him up pretty much like you would pick up someone. I think if I'm, my memory's correct, for almost like a body slam, and gets him, pushes him, and presses him above his head like he's you know just pressing some a barbell above his head, walks around the ring, twirls with him for a second, and then slams him. And then he does a little booty shake kind of deal. And, I mean, this was good, man. The shoulder tackle was great. Just really good stuff from Butch Reed. But Butch was – this was good, and the fans erupted when he won. So I, I, I didn't remember his reaction being this strong this early. So, you know, consider me corrected. And then something we've heard many, many times. Next week, the Midgets. Oh God. <laughs> so so hold on. Let me say something. I promise you all, I, I, I almost feel like Watts was trolling us, 1983 level troll. I promise you all he's not lying. He's not trying to he's not trying to set you up for, for an okie doke here. The the midgets, the little people eventually do come in. And I really can't actually can't wait to talk about it, Brian, because I alluded to it on the mothership Facebook group. Something happens at the end of that match. That I don't want to say it right now, but I want to discuss with you to get your thoughts. And that's all I'll say. But the midgets eventually do come in. They will come in. I won't say if it's next week, the week after or whenever, but we do finally get the midgets. Watts isn't trolling us. Well, as we wrap up another episode of Mid-South Wrestling, now I can't wait to talk to you about the midget match. But as we wrap up another episode of Mid-South Wrestling, of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, I want to remind you, you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Also want to make mention, you can follow me on Twitter at GreatBrianLast. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at SuperPodcasts. And of course, we're also on Facebook, facebook.com slash ArcadianVanguard. Before I go to you, Mike, and you tell everyone how they could stay in touch with you and book in the territory, let's quickly make mention that Mike and I had a discussion on booking the territory about the Hall of Fame candidacy, the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Hall of Fame candidacy of the Junkyard Dog. It recently came out. You should check it out. But of course, you should always check out Booking the Territory. How can the listeners do that, Mike? Uh, they can go to tinyurl.com slash bttpod. That is one way. Or if you are looking for us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, wherever you get your podcast from, we're pretty much on every platform. Just search Booking the Territory and it should pop up. As everyone knows, we are the unprofessional wrestling podcast for a reason. The jokes are terrible. Myself, Hardbody Hopper, Doc Turner. It's... Uh, yeah, it's 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 politically incorrect for the most part. But we have a lot of fun. We talk classic wrestling. It is a passion of ours. And Brian is right. He and I had a wonderful discussion about the merits of the Junkyard Dog and his Wrestling Observer Newsletter candidacy, candidacy for their Hall of Fame. And I really think 
Uh, Brian, the feedback I've gotten has been tremendous, and I really think the people enjoyed it. And uh, overwhelmingly, people will agree with us. And I think for those out there who are on the fence, it is a great discussion that you and I had to learn more about why we feel he is so deserving of that Hall of Fame. So uh, please go check it out and check out all of the shows there. Brian and I were definitely a little bit more professional than Doc and Hardbody Harper and I were, Bert. But uh, you'll have fun. You'll enjoy it. So go check it out. It's good stuff. Follow me on Twitter also at Mike504Saints. I oftentimes, as I say, usually I'll try to post various clips of the shows uh, on Twitter. I also put them on Facebook when I when I get a chance, and I do share those in the Mothership group also. So, uh, But follow me on Twitter at Mike504Saints for those clips and other random wrestling talk and whatnot. And uh, I try my best to apply to anyone, to apply, to reply to anyone and everyone uh, as time allows. So thank you if you follow me there. Brian, Great episode, fun stuff. I'm telling you, I can't wait till we get to this midget match because of what happens at the end. <laughs> I just, I'm laughing, but I shouldn't laugh, and we'll talk about more eventually when we get to that episode. Other than that, thank you for another fun episode. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho! Tally-ho!